Welcome back to Temporary Fandoms, the podcast that drags you kicking and screaming through complete discographies. You can find us wherever it is that people find podcasts, but I draw your attention in particular to our page on Beat Rehab, where you can easily find the Spotify playlist edit of the show. That's the one where all the talking is interspersed with actual music. If you join our Facebook group, uh, facebook.com slash group slash tempfans, you'll get all the news about upcoming podcasts and be able to participate in your own musical immersions. Anyway, it's episode 12, in which we'll complete our cosmic journey into the furthest reaches of seminal krautrock act, Can. If you haven't listened to part one yet, what are you waiting for? That's the one with Ege Bamyasi, Tago Margo and Future Days. As for today, well, according to many accounts, this is the bit where they drop off a cliff. But whilst the later records are seldom held in the same high regard as the first half of their career, we hope we can guide you towards some of the hidden nuggets that do occur on those later albums. Either way, we still had a lot of fun recording it, and we'll hope you'll enjoy picking over the carcass of the band after they lost Amo Suzuki. Joining Ewan and I for the carcass picking will be Aaron T. White and Christopher Whitby. Listen to us blather on, then go and listen to the records and reach your own conclusions, as we conclude the complete discography of Can. Welcome back to part two of Can. The first one was we got in the can. Um, currently, as I'm saying this, we don't know whether or not the technical problems that I seemed to have has any impact on part one. Hopefully not. Um, with me, as always, we've got Nick. Hello. Um, who is on a bound to tell you if anybody is from Hull. Um, rejoining us is Aaron. Hello there. And Chris. Hello. I'm not from Hull, but I am from Scunthorpe. So does that count, Nick? Not far down the road. That's true. That could have been my I am on a bound to mention moment in this, uh, in this where episode. You, where are you originally from, Aaron? I never... I'm from Minnesota. Oh. That's, not, that's not near Hull. That's, that's, that's not, not here. It's not near that's Hull. That's not Hull. <laughs> that's definitely not Hull. Um, and I'm from Wolverhampton, if anybody cares. But if you listened to the last episode, you would know that. Uh, so you can tell I... us how the sauce is pronounced, right? That's Worcester. <laughs> Wolverhampton sauce pronounced Worcester. <laughs> Worcestershire sauce. Um, I could do because it's just Worcestershire, um, but that's down the road, but it's not where I'm from. We don't have our own sauce. We do have um, orange chips, which are amazing. Um, if you're ever in the black country, uh, try orange chips. Seriously, they will blow your mind. Anyway, um, Aaron, we're doing part two of Can. We seem to have lost the plot slightly. What period albums uh are we running through today um we're running we're running through 1974 soon over babaluma um up through their final 1989 because they recorded it earlier but 1989 album right time excellent well you are going to be hearing aaron talking you through uh, those very shortly as always you can hear uh spotify playlist with selected tracks or just pause us uh, go and find stuff on your favorite streaming services. Uh, that bark was Aaron's Vizsla, um, and you'll probably hear more of that later. And the next voice you will hear will be Aaron after this. In 1973, Can was on top of the world. Well, at least the world of weird German music. 
But all good things must come to an end, I suppose. In 1972, Damo had gotten married, but it wasn't his wife who'd play the Yoko, but Jesus. That's right, one day, Damo Suzuki would open the door for a Jehovah's Witness. Next thing you know, rock music loses one of its most distinctive singers. Let that be a cautionary tale for us all. In future interviews, he'd downplay religion's role in his decision to quit Can. Apparently, he felt like the band had reached their peak, and he himself had become merely a part of the musical landscape. Thus, he was set free. Or something like that. Damo was only second to Holger in making no sense. Any way you put it, Can was once again Sand's singer. They auditioned a few possibilities, but nobody fit, and no random nomad had wandered into their axis, so the band just decided that Michael and Ehrman would be enough. In general, they didn't enjoy singing, because they felt it distracted from their instruments. But this was a willing sacrifice. In a band driven by collective creative reactions, the wrong addition could be catastrophic for the chemistry. And yes, I did pause so that last sentence felt like foreshadowing. Michael started focusing on a new instrument, the electric violin. And your views on this is likely to determine how you feel about their 1974 album, Soon Over Babaluma. Yes, I know that can titles often sound like gibberish. Well, I assure you, according to the band, Soon Over Babaluma most certainly is. Here we see Tan continuing with the more ambient side from future days. But you can hear Damo's absence. He seems to have taken the melodies and the excitement with him, yet the band does their best to emulate him. To some, this is the last great album Can made. For others, this is the first in their hard slide into terribleness. Oh, did, did we not mention that Can gets terrible? So yeah, Can gets terrible, but not on this album though. For its entire history, Can had played around with various genres of music from around the world in a group of compositions they called the Ethnological Forgery Series. In a lot of ways, Soon Over Babaluma feels like an extended exercise in it. Can bounces around in different styles, from the tango of Comsta La Luna to the Latin jazz of Splash. One of the most interesting tracks is Chain Reaction which may be the first of the more African-influenced works. Chain Reaction bounces around a myriad of genres without ever really sounding forced, and inventing a new style of electronic music in the process. Now, it's hard to come down from the insane heights of the last few albums, but this one is well worth your time, because I promise you, as we move forward, you'll miss this version of Can right here. 1975's Landed finds Can signed to Virgin Records. That's right, here they are on a mega label. Which was great timing for everyone involved, because things are about to get really hairy from here on out. Now I warned earlier that Can is going to become terrible. Don't, but don't go anywhere. If there's one thing we love here at the Temp Fans Podcast, it's a sharp decline in quality. Sorry, we, we, we don't love it. But when you make it your goal to listen to entire discographies, it just comes with the territory. So listeners, I know you're tempted to jump ship, 
because even this guy, who's such a big fan of Can that he's doing a podcast about them, is saying that these albums suck. Well, you need to embrace the bad. Approach these albums like you would a film by Ed Wood. There are moments that will make you laugh. There are moments that will get on your nerves. Most of this is going to be a bit boring, but just know, Late Era Can is not as bad as its reputation, and we have some great stuff coming up. And that's really why we do this. Finding those lost secret classics buried on bad albums. Now Can is under no delusion about the quality of what's to come. They're critical too. In one interview, Yaki said the band should have stopped after future days. Now I wouldn't go that far, but I understand his sentiment. If there's one thing that the band regards as the cause of their downfall, it's their purchase of a 16-track recording system. Now just for context, they were used to working with two. That means that for the first time in their career, they didn't need to be together to record. Despite this, their general strategy of jamming together and editing the best bits in the tracks remains their modus operandi. Yet, the individual members found themselves hanging back, re-recording their parts, adding overdubs. Just knowing that they could go back and fix something later was enough to break the band. Holger didn't feel too comfortable with the new equipment, so he hired somebody to help with the mix, Tony Robinson. They were not happy at all with the results, so they took the reins for the B-side of the album, but sadly, it was too late to fix the damage Toby had done. Landed finds Can rocking hard. Maybe it was the pressure of being on a major label, but they sound like they're trying to do something a bit more poppy here. It almost sounds like a glam record, but it's, it's still Can doing glam. Now Michael, he goes full guitar hero here using the technology to add more and more and more guitars because, well, that's just what you did in 1975. The last track, Unfinished, is among the most ambient and experimental of their career. It's a track that was composed on a magic day by the studio itself. The band had found an old broken organ they wanted to fix, but it spontaneously came alive and started making cool noises. They kept recording what happened and loved the sound, adding what they could to it. They captured all they could of this magic moment. Then, the organ stopped, and it never turned on again. If you interpret this as a symbol for Can's career, I won't tell you you're wrong. 